0: Welcome to Count Me In with Della Indiana. If you have ever felt challenged or discouraged, this upcoming conversation is for you. Today we feature an inspirational and breathtakingly honest conversation with Dr. Zarati Woods, a mathematician in the Applied Physics Laboratory at Johns Hopkins University. Zarati earned his undergraduate degree from Morehouse College and his PhD in mathematics in 2019 from the University of Georgia. In this encouraging conversation, Zarate talks about the important insights he gained from growing up in inner-city Atlanta, the critical role of mentors and advancing individuals, and the power of a mother and a mother's voice. So please join us as we talk with Dr. Zarate Woods. Zarate! Hey, how are you? Hey! Uh,
1: Let me welcome you to our podcast. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me
0: we like to start with you telling us your story. Don't leave out any details, how you got where you are, growing up in Atlanta, et cetera.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I grew up in um, Atlanta, Georgia, born and raised. I grew up in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I uh, have a great mom who... um, it's, it's actually interesting. She didn't even graduate from high school. Um, I don't know who my biological father is. Then, um, let's see, I went to South Atlanta High School. Where I uh, Well, Emma Hutchinson, Crawford Long Mills, South Atlanta High School. So if you were in the inner city of Atlanta, you know that I am Atlanta through and through and through and through and through. <laughs> um, so when I was there, um, in my, you know, like my grade school days, like I was... It was interesting. I was always, like, naturally smart. Like, I'd never struggled that, that much in school, although I was not the best student at all. I was a really big knucklehead, honestly. Like, and I believe it came out more when I was in high school um, because so my, so my mom had more control of me in middle school and elementary school. But, like, in high school when I was older and stuff like that, and introduce a car and all of that stuff. It just, I was, I was the biggest knucklehead ever. But <laughs> it was interesting because, like, my teachers and stuff used to like put up with my nonsense because I could come into any class and pass any test and, 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 and you know and score off the charts and all that good stuff. Um, it, it was interesting because like so it was actually like it came to a point to where like I had ten minutes in every class to do all of my work mm-hmm. and then I got like put out with a with like a permanent hall pass like just like go away. Because I was going to terrorize the whole class the whole time. It was just mm. I, I didn't have anything to do because I was done with my work. And so, um, so yeah. So um, and then I went to Morehouse College, um, mm. where I met some of the most amazing mentors. Um, I mean, I, I had some some great mentors in in, in high school too. It, it was so in in high school, my mentors had the responsibility to tell me that. Life is not the inner city of Atlanta. Um, Mm -hmm. They had the responsibility of saying, hey, you have the potential to go and do other things. um, And so I don't want you to get trapped into this um, because this isn't life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think because of because of because of them, that was the reason how come I even applied to to college. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: Can you tell us about one of those mentors, someone from middle school or high school who really made a difference in your life?
2: Yeah, sure. So I had a I had a I had a bunch of a bunch of them were my coaches. Um, mm-hmm. So the one of them, his name is Christopher Reese. Um, but the one of my the, the biggest ones, her name is Arlethea Michelle Dixon. Um, she is that she was actually my scholarship coordinator. So we had this scholarship called Project Grad. So basically it was like if you maintain a C average for, you know, four years or whatever, and you got like $4,000 to go to school, like scot free, like whatever you wanted to do with
3: mm-hmm.
2: it. Um, and so she was over that program. Um, but she became like a really big mentor because she, you know, like I, I wasn't ever a, a person that, you know, would believe things if it was sugarcoated or like said to me nicely and stuff like that. And so she was that other. You know, she wasn't like a mom figure, but she was like that that aunt that could talk to me and tell me things the way that I needed to be said to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I, I'll never actually forget it. She might actually I, I don't know. I don't even know if I should be saying this, but like I remember. So the only reason how come I got into Morehouse is because so I didn't even apply to Morehouse at first. Uh-huh. Um, she actually told me that I should apply to Morehouse. Um, because um, because I had a, a good chance of getting in there. Um, and, you know, there were some people that were on my side that were on the missions board and stuff like that. And, and so she was really pushing me to go to Morehouse. And for some reason, I had this illusion I didn't want to go to an all-male school. I was like, Morehouse is an all-male school. I like women too much. I don't want to go there. <laughs> Little did I know. Anyway, <laughs> so... Um, so uh so, so what she said was she was like, Well, I'll tell you what, come to my office after school. And i and as long as you sit here and talk, I will fill the application out for you. And so she sa- I sat there, she filled my application out. She this is at the point too to where it was like handwritten. It wasn't like uh, uh-huh, at that right. point. So <laughs> uh she sat there and she wrote my whole application up. She wrote my essays and everything. And um you know, it was interesting. So I've told Ellis sometimes that, like, I've lived a a colored life, color, colorful life. And the fact that, like, I, you know, I've been on the wrong and the right side of the law a few times. Um, And so, you know, I, the people that I grew up with and the people that I love danced a lot on the wrong side of the law. And so that's what I grew up with. And that's kind of what I did too. And so again, I was a knucklehead, right? And so I can I can recall that I was doing something extremely terrible and I kind of got away with it. And I I don't even know if I, you know, it could have went a a different way that night, but it didn't. And when I got home, so my mom like handed me the the Morehouse acceptance. Like here's here's the she she didn't know what was going on the night before or anything like that. Uh But I came in the house the next day. She was like, here. Uh, somebody, so, so, so Morehouse sent you something. I opened it up, and it was an acceptance, and I was like, "It's something about Morehouse now." I'm like, maybe I should go now because I, I don't know <laughs> if I should have made it home last night. Um, what so did your mom uh, think about that. She was actually really, really pushing for me to, to stay. Um, and I'm and I'm in Atlanta too. She started to get a little sick, and so she wanted me to be a little closer. But I, I had applied. I had every intention to go to uh, Bethune Cookman, and I had applied to uh, the, the University of Michigan too um, to go and play football. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, you know, a long way from Georgia. And so um, she was kind of like, "Man, I want you to stay." Um, and I hadn't applied to any schools in Georgia, and so the fact that I, I got into there, and you know, the the things that happened around it, and plus her being sick, I was like, "All right, I'll go with mine." Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's It was actually, you know, going to Morehouse was actually one of the best decisions that I ever made in my life. But me being at home also gave me a lot of time to be distracted to. Um, so um, I actually, it actually s- s- took me eight years to get from Morehouse. Um, so I started at Morehouse in 06. Mm-hmm. And again, I was always smart enough to go to Morehouse, um, but I wasn't the best student. And also um, I didn't, I didn't decide if I wanted to go that route yet when I was when I was 18. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't know if I wanted to be, you know, outlaw or if I wanted to go the straight and narrow. I didn't I didn't decide that. And so I was trying to do both at the same uh-huh. time. And uh-huh. um, in 2010, um, I got like a slight tap on my shoulder like, hey, um, you've been here four years. You got enough credits to be a sophomore and you got like a one or eight point average you need to go home. So um, they put me out for a year. Um, mm-hmm. So this whole time, I, I actually tease this, the, the one of my, the one of my other the very large mentors, the name is Yuriko Wilson, probably more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I tease her all the time. If you, if you, if you talk to her soon, just be like, right. <laughs> she gave me my first F ever in life. She gave me, <laughs> she didn't give me a C minus. She gave me an F. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I I tease her all the time. She was actually... And then Dwayne Cooper is my my biggest... That's like my math father. Um, so, um, uh, interestingly enough, going through all of this, the both of them and some others, Brian was another one. Um, the, all of them gave me a, a bad grade or two going throughout this, but they always was like so frustrated at the fact there's like, if you just try, you you are so mathematically inclined to where even though you aren't trying so we can tell that if you just tried, you just you, you would do well in it. The whole time I was I was actually a computer science major too by, by the way. Um, but I was always so much better in my math classes than I was in those classes. What, um, would and plus, like?
1: what would that look like when they would tell you that you could do better? Were they pulling you aside or were they
2: how, um, how would that come You about? know, like Some of them would, like, get frustrated and demand I come to their office. Mm -hmm. Like, I know in particular Dr. Cooper and Dr. Wilson would. um, They would demand to come to my office, and it was more of, like, they weren't pulling me aside and saying it quietly. They were, like, almost yelling at me, like, Mm -hmm. frustrated at me. Um, And, you know, like, I'm, again, like, for some reason, you know, I, I, I had people in my life who were not afraid to do that, right? The one, you know, I talking about like the diversity initiatives and all of that stuff, Like, I, of course, I'm on a bunch of those committees and stuff like that. But like the one of the things that we forget about all the time is that if you have a, a diverse community, you have to be okay with scolding that diverse community if they're doing, if, if they're not doing well, right? And so, you know, if you have a black man standing in front of you and you're not afraid to say, hey, you're being a jerk right now, and you know that's doing them, that's doing him just as much harm as you know, you know, not not having him in the first place, right? And mm-hmm. you know, saying it with saying, I I I love you, but you're being like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing right now. Anyway, so mm-hmm. um, throughout that whole time, like they would be frustrated with, uh, with me. I mean, again, I, they didn't never give me anything. So I mean, you know, I got the grades that I got, um, and when I got put out. Um, you know i had stipulations of like going for a year and getting some grades and then coming back but i didn't do that mm-hmm. actually i i actually i'm i'm gonna say it now i said i said it in another like extra series a f- few weeks ago like not only did i not do that i actually went and i actually got arrested i actually got in some like legal trouble um, mm-hmm. and so um it was interesting right so like when that happened i was um I I so I, I had to pay some like probation stuff to to, to, to like stay out of trouble, and um, I was in that this place Briggs and Stratton. It was like building lawnmowers, and um, I I was like putting some stickers on the lawnmowers, and like mm-hmm. I dropped them, and like it, it made a mess of the stickers and it ruined the stickers. And my boss at that time came and, like, you know, said some of the most disrespectful, curse me out kind of you're lucky to have this job, be most disrespectful, da, 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 And in my head, that was like the first time that like this snapped, like I can't be here anymore. Cause like at this point too, I'm a real head. Like I, I don't allow folks to talk to me like that. And I, mm-hmm. I can't deal with that. Right. And mm-hmm. so in, in my head, I was like, I know I can't be here for too much longer. Cause you know, I'm on probation at this point. Mm-hmm. Something bad could happen because I I know that I'm not gonna allow him to talk to me like that anymore. You know, and then I seen one of my ex friends go to Morehouse and graduate. He was actually my roommate, and I think that between those two things, it kind of like I kind of like it. I don't know, like something snapped in me, and it was, it was basically like I gotta I, I, I gotta do this. right? I, I gotta I can't I can't not do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, um, I went back to Dr. Cooper first, and I told him what happened. He kind of laughed and was like, all right, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> then I went to this other person. I forgot about Brock. So this other person named Brock Mayers, he's actually over the, I don't know, E. McNair program at Morehouse, or he was. Mm-hmm. He's actually the dean of Virginia Union now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was over the, 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 the I mean, program at Morehouse. Um, he actually took a big chance on me too before I got put out of my house. And so, you know, I f- felt terrible actually, like letting him down because he let me in the program, even though I didn't qualify for all of the things that it was supposed to be. I, like, it's weird. I, I don't know how so many people seen what they seen in me because
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: I, I had plenty of time. I had plenty of reason to where they shouldn't have seen what they seen in me. Um, but I told him the story too. So I told, I, I acted Cooper and I told up bro and um, and they laughed and they was just like, you know, go to the admissions office, see what happens, you know, the worst that can happen is they say no, <laughs> right? And so I went and, you know, in the in the admissions office, they was kind of like laughing, like it's right, what you didn't do anything right. Like you didn't you didn't do anything right. Like you, 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 you enrolled in a college, you failed out of that, you went to jail, you know, what can we do about that? Um, and so I was like, well. Brock and Dr. Cooper had asked me to come and da da da, And they was like, all right, tell you what, here's what we do. If the both of them will answer the phone for you right now and we'll just like, they're you're their responsibility, just you're their responsibility, then I'll let you back in.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I called them. The both of them was like, yep, he's our responsibility. And uh-huh. let me back in. And uh, I had some very colorful talks with them too about how I shouldn't embarrass them because- because mm-hmm. their name was on that. Um yeah, they're standing I, up
1: for you now.
2: Yeah. And I tried not to. So I maintained like a at least like a three six. It might have been like a three eight the rest of the time. Man. It would be crazy. Um, so um, so yeah, so I, you know, I finished strong. Um, I it, it was actually funny because like at, at year eight, I had ran out of like um financial aid. And I told Dr. Cooper, I was like, yeah, they you put me out. Like, I ran out of financial aid. He's like, just go to class. Just go to class. I was like, don't go. let go to class. And so it was the funniest thing that, like, he went to, like, the president and, like, the dean of financial aid and told them that I was going to be funded. He's like, I don't care what you got to do. Zorato will be funded. And that was at the point where I was like, I, I want to be just like Dr. Cooper. Like, uh-huh. he went and told every one of his bosses that I was going to be funded and they funded me. Um, so um so I finished out so I did so bad at the beginning of my college years that even though I was maintaining like three, six, three, eight, I still didn't graduate with a three o. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was that 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 at the beginning. Um, but so when um so I I I went to so I started the only reason I come out was was, was even thinking about the PhD because I wanted to be like a doctor. But that was the, That was hands down the reason why. Um, but then he also, like, when I talked to him, he was like, that's a, you know, he, he was flattered and he was like, you know, that's a good reason to start, but that ain't the reason for me to finish. Uh-huh. He's like, you know, you got to have another reason to finish. it. And, you know, the other reason is that, like, I felt like I was good at math and I felt like that I should be talked about amongst the best in math. And so that was the other reason I come to win. So I applied to a bunch of schools. I got a bunch of notes. Um, and they told me up front, they was like, you know, you should apply to master's programs as well cause you'll have a better chance at getting in those over the PhD programs because you know, you know, so, so I had a good packet, right? I had a great packet, right? I had I had great, um, that is a recommendation. I had great research, but I had terrible GRE scores and I had terrible grades, terrible grades at the beginning. It was actually like, he was like, you have a story because you have an uptick, right? But I had terrible grades at the beginning and I had terrible GRE scores.
3: Um,
2: and so, um, So the the caveat was that, like, it was like, we don't want you to pay for graduate school, but you might have to go improve yourself. Um, And so it was like apply for a combination of places that only have master's programs and, you know, apply for Ph.D. programs and they might just put you in the master's program. Mm -hmm. Uh, So with the the, the guarantee to continue. Uh And so at UGA, um, so I I got into like three schools, all over master's programs. I got into, like, the University of Northern Iowa. I think I got into the University of Miami, Ohio. I might have got into another school. But I'll use the master's program, and then a UGA came through. And um, the most of the, the programs, oh, I got into Lake Forest. Uh-huh. Um, but the most of them were, like, either, either we can't fund you or we can only fund you part-time, or we can, or, like, if we funded you, um, you would have to teach a lot. Um, and so I um, but Georgia actually had this like cooperation with Morehouse to where it was like it was called a feeder pro- program to where. So so basically they, they would fund you, you know, without any responsibility at, at all for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like it, it didn't come out of the math department's funds. And um, and so the math department didn't have anything to lose from funding me. And so. That was what I. That was the thing that I. That was the thing that I went with. Um, and then plus, the I, I. I'm I'm convinced of it. Georgia isn't going to ever it But I had a great friend that was going there too. His name is Jordan, and they were trying to get him. So he was the prize. They were they were trying to get Jordan, and like, you know, no, I'm serious. Like so so like so like, I had a lot of candid talks with them after like at the point where I was starting to graduate. And, um, and, you know, they, they were kind of like, you know, it like getting African-American students in a math program is like a piece of gold. So you know, we did what we had to do to get, <laughs> it, to get it. And so they, they would say, you know, for the both of you, it was a two for one. And like, that's not what actually happened. So what actually happened was they were trying to get Jordan because they was like, Jordan is going to finish and Zoraida is not going to finish. Uh-huh. That's what they were banking on. Right. Um. But you know, and and like his part isn't even a bragging part, but like some things happened with Jordan to where like at some point they were treating him like gold and treating me like trash, but then it switched and they started treating him like trash and started treating me mm. like gold, mm-hmm. which is what I hate. I, I anyway, mm-hmm. um, but okay, so I, I got into UGA and you know, I critique so you know, every time I talk about this, I critique Georgia, but I also praise Georgia because Georgia was hands down the best decision I ever made um, when it came to uh, uh, grad school. You know, I, the the reason how come I met you actually is because of, it's because of Rudy Horn actually too. And I didn't talk about him actually, but let me pause for a, a second. He came into it when I was, when I came back. So he came to my house around 2011. And, um, you know, he was, he was an interesting, interesting something. So like, I wasn't, I did, even at Morehouse, I wasn't the quintessential mathematician at Morehouse. Like I wasn't the, the Dr. Horn was the quintessential physicist. He was the nerd. It was the funniest thing in the world, but he always, he, 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 he instantly got a, got an interest in me Mm -hmm. and um, me and him had a lot of candid talks about what he went to the, 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 the University of Colorado at Boulder. So he knew that i was going to go through some of the some of the same things that he went through and and you know mm-hmm. he even told me he was like you you know i was safe from some of the the nonsense because i was smart mm-hmm. he's like i came in and i was able to crack everything And so i you know some of the the racism and stuff that other folks talk about i didn't experience and it. it's it just because they were trying to be my friend because i was smart mm-hmm. um, but um but you know i thank goodness for all of them right at at morehouse because all of them sat me down for a long time and told Mm me you know at university of georgia they're going to tell you that you don't fit they're gonna tell you that and they're gonna tell you that you should go home and you know all of that stuff and you know they did they did Mm -hmm. and but at morehouse they prepared me for that and 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 i used it as fuel kind of um to just you know when I got out there, my graduate coordinator, um, you know, so at, at Georgia, it was great because you could come in and you had two and a half years to pass quals. Um, but you get you got to you got to take calls every time they were they were offered for two and a half years without any without any company. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't cost anything to just come in without doing any classes and just try to take calls. Like, why not? <laughs> you might pass one. Right. And so I came in. And I failed them all. Uh-huh. Right. And so I it was normal. That's what everybody did. Right. And so my graduate coordinator at the time, he passed me in the hallway and I hadn't been talking to him. And so I was new and I didn't know. And so I was like, maybe I should speak to him. And so I spoke to him and I was like, hey, you know, how you doing? And he was like, hey, how are you? And he was like, how's things going? And I was like, you know, I just I felt quad, but that's to be expected. And he looked me dead in the face and was like, yeah, you know. I didn't expect you to pass calls. I don't even expect you to get out the program. So, you know, oh. if you don't get out the program, you know, it, it's because you went to a, a school that isn't that rigorous and, you know, you'll go to another school that isn't as rigorous as UGA and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll finish up there. So he's like, so don't hurt yourself. Don't commit suicide or anything like that.
1: Wow. It was- <laughs> Was he throwing down the gauntlet there? Was that a challenge to you? No, he, no. You I that? honestly
2: believe, I honestly believe that he was doing that out of good nature. Like I, huh? I, I, I believe that in his head, he thought that it was the best thing to do. Like I, that's, that's. I, when I tell this story to everyone else in the math department, including some of the other diversity, they're like, yeah, for some reason that's what he think is the best thing to do. I don't. Okay. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and so, you know, I'm glad that I had those talks at at House because, like, mm-hmm. I believe that that would have crushed a lot of other folks who didn't have those talks. But like in my head, I was like laughing at them because I was like, "Man, thank you so much!" Because like, I probably would have failed if you didn't tell me this. Like now, mm-hmm. I have to pass a little funky program. I got to do it, man. <laughs> this is great. It's wonderful. I got to pass it. And so, you know, it took me. It took me. You know. Uh, 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 probably a solid year of staying in my office for 16 hours a day, um, you know, eating and sleeping, math,
3: mm-hmm.
2: until I passed my clause. And then I remember that same professor came into my office and was pointing out in my friend, Jordan, and was like, yeah, you know, call your undergrad and tell them to send more. And I'm like, what, man? <laughs> 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 Like, it was almost like it was almost like you saying that Morehouse is the fountain of Negroes that you need. Like, I don't understand what's happening right now. So anyway, anyway, it it, it was actually funny. And like, anyway, yeah, it it, it was an interesting thing. And so um, I found an advisor. His name was Juan Gutierrez. He's a person that I. I, I love the guy to death. So me and him clashed a lot, honestly. So me and him don't have the same working styles, but me and him were great. And I'm glad I I, I love the guy to death. He, he got me to the finish line. And so, um yeah, and it was also like he was the one of the people who pulled me out of the nonsense that happened in the math department. Right. So I belong to him.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: because of that, he was able to shield me from you know the craziness that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the one, the one of the reasons how come I at a class sometimes because he, he dropped me into the deep end, and that like he never treated me as as if I was his as if as if he, he was my professor and I was his student. He was like, all right, we're coworkers, and that's it. And mm-hmm. it was the weirdest thing, and I had never prepared for that or anything because he also made it to where I didn't have to teach right, so I was a complete, I was a researcher, that was all I did. And so he didn't treat me like I'm your professor. You're my student. He was like, nope, we're, we're colleagues. That's oh, just wonderful. what it is. Mm-hmm. And I was not prepared for that. Like I was always a student. I was mm-hmm. always a professor, but like he never was able to do that. And I, you know, I, I appreciate him, but I, I did have some, some bad <laughs> words to s- s- say to him as that stuff was going on, but <laughs> you know, it, it, it worked out and, and and I'm thankful that I had an advisor just like that. Actually. So um, anyway, it's
1: ready. Um, like so, it. yep. So, I'd like to ask, go back just for a moment to Dr. Cooper, because I have a question about that. Can you get inside his head for a minute? What did he see in you that really stood out? Does he do this to all his students? Or was there something special about you that he found that he really was going to not give up on you?
2: You know, I so the answer to the answer to what you just asked was yes and no in that. Any person that comes to his office that, that wants to learn math, he'll teach it to him, right? Mm-hmm. And he will mm-hmm. put every hour that he has into it, right? And so, and that says yes, he does that with every student. Um, I don't know what he's seen, honestly. Um, I, I really don't. Um, I do. Who know that there was times to where he was frustrated, where he was like if you think that you're good at this already, then didn't be good at it, like where's what well, I don't, I don't, you keep, you keep saying that you're good at it, but you're not good at it because you're not doing it. And so I, I remember him being so frustrated at that. And then um, I think the other part too was that I, I went to him and Dr. Wilson and I told the both of them that I was actually waiting on their classes. So to, to do it again, because they failed me. And I was like, so now I have to get a man in your class because you feel me. <laughs> um, and I believe that the both of them kind of got a, a kick out of that. So I seek, I seek them out because mm-hmm. they, they are notoriously hard at Morehouse. Like if you want, if you wanted three of the hardest professors at Morehouse, it was him, Dr. Wilson, and Dr. Bryan. Like those were the hard guys. Those, those, those were the ones that that like everyone kind of ran away from. But I was like. I'm going through all of y'all. It's, it's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take all of y'all. It's fine. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I don't know, but I kept showing up and he kept showing up too. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's about all I got. I don't know. That's great. Um, yeah. But anyway, so, um, yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, that's actually to where it's. So yeah, I, I graduated in 2019 and I met, I met uh, Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory doing cool things now. So,
0: Tell
2: us about what you're
0: doing at Johns Hopkins now. Well, um, what's so allowed? Do, Whatever you can say out loud.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So I do, I do, I do AI. I, um, I so I so in in graduate school I did stuff with deep convolutional neural networks. Um, and I do a bunch of stuff with deep convolutional. So so when I was in in graduate school, I did stuff with deep convolutional neural network with biological signals. Now I do more computer vision, you know, there's interesting things that happens in in images and videos all the time. And there's a surprisingly large amount of those things floating around in places that you don't even know that they're floating around it. And and so, um, you know, we, we get a hordes of data and we get to analyze it and it's fun. So that kind of thing
1: is this something that you um, uh, could imagine other students or students getting involved in? I mean, is this, I I like the student research aspect. And what would you tell a student who is interested in, in what you're doing?
2: I would tell them to email me. Um, I have been beating down students' doors about internships at at, at, at Hopkins. Um, I was able to hire four of them this year. So I have four interns currently right now.
1: Wonderful. Um, What do you do with them? what do what do interns do with you
2: they do the stuff that i need on my projects you know mm-hmm. like so so the most of my so the most of the things are, are that i do are project based and we have sponsors that pay for them and so they become a part of the team for the summer mm-hmm. um and so depending on the the clearance levels that they have and stuff like that when they come in you know sometimes they come in with clearances and stuff like that then we can do stuff with that and if they don't then we find stuff the where they they don't have to have clearances, but they can still um, um, participate on the project. And so, there's definitely interns that I've had that uh, I have this summer that like uh, was a critical part in like reviews that we had for our for our sponsors and stuff like that. So it isn't like they're doing like lollygagging work. They're like mm-hmm. we just like drop them in our projects and they <laughs> they do wonderfully actually. So.
3: So, yeah
1: so what sort of things do you prioritize in your life i mean you have you have your job i don't know what else um uh takes mm-hmm. your time and what you do what you spend your time on
2: so i spend a lot of it on, on my job i spend way too much of it on my job mm-hmm. actually um and that isn't actually a, a culture at, at at the lab actually it's more of like me doing it mm-hmm. um so the culture at the lab is actually a good work life balance but i'm i don't know for some reason especially during the Pandemic, right? I've only been up here for two years, and a year and a half of that was right. pandemic. And I was like, "Well, I mean, there isn't anything else to do, so why not go for sixteen <laughs> hours and only get paid for eight of them?" Right? <laughs> this is the thing to do, right? <laughs> so, uh, so you know, I, um, I I spend a lot of it at work. But the uh, other part of it is that so I I recently lost one hundred and seventy pounds, so I spend a lot of time wow. like working out now.
3: Tell
2: us about uh, that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, so I, in 2009 and I'm in 19, I found myself being 416 pounds. And I, I you know, I, I've always been like an athlete, right? So in high school and in middle school and stuff like that, I play, I play football and I play basketball. Um, But, and, and, you know, like that was the way that I was able to, 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 to like, to regulate weight. Um, but then after I stopped doing that, like, you know, you can't just eat anything that you want anymore and still maintain a good weight. And then plus, especially with like grad school, like stuff was so stressful to where it was just, it got out of hand. Um, and so, um, you know, I I had been trying and trying and trying and trying to get that under control. Um, but finally I, I got, um, ESG surgery, which is a vertical asterisk sleeve. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it, it's interesting because like everyone, you know, like some people see that as like the fix all. But like I, I kind of found out very quickly that it's not. So it helps mm-hmm. a lot in the beginning. But then after that, you just kind of have to get up every day. And I, I like, I told myself, I was like, all right, if I get it under control once, I won't go back. And so just mm-hmm. been like, and so like, I don't know, like, like exercise and like Good a uh, uh, nutrition. I kind of almost put it at the same level as like work now. So like it's times to where like I'll push like a meeting back to go to the gym. I'll be like, all right, look, I got to go to the gym first. So um the meeting is at eleven instead of you know nine because I got to mm-hmm, go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I've just been you know I, I work out five days a week and I you know four small meals a day and I got cooked the most of those meals so. A lot of time spent doing that. Um, are you so, Are you
1: learning how to cook, or was that Have you
3: always? So, my
2: mom, was, so my mom is a caterer, uh-huh. so I've been I've I've been in the kitchen since I was like eight. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: but the one the one the one of the interesting things is is that um, so the, the fun thing that I've been learning is how to cook healthy um, and still. So you know, in the South, like good food is cultural. Like we mm-hmm. we love good food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know the one of the the one of the interesting ch- challenges has, has been like how do you make food healthy and still something that like my mom would approve of and so
3: <laughs>
2: she's been trying my, my recipes and she's been enjoying them so I've been like you know thank you for teaching me how to cook because uh, it's been helping me a lot so um, you know you just learn learn the stuff that she taught me and then you know kind of to put your own spin on it so it's been so, yeah, that's that's kind of the other thing that I've been doing the most
0: of. Oh, that's wonderful.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: so I want to add a little PS to that question. So Deanna was asking what you spend your time on, but I want to take that up one level because I just heard you say two times that you've kind of been in a really, let's call it an unfavorable situation. You were on the other side of the law. You had to leave more. You left Morehouse, got on the other side of the law. Somehow you turn that around, like ninety degrees, one hundred and eighty, however you want to think about it. And you've done the same thing with your health. Those are two big, gigantic changes you made. Can you? I'm just curious. Can you identify what was the? Yeah, you know, this is like something on the inside. You know,
2: I I I think I I actually told you uh, about this in our article uh, before. You know, I have never seen a person that I love get it right on the first time that that has never ever ever happened I've always seen them fail 250 times and on the 250 first time when they got up that was when it finally worked and so those turnarounds wasn't just a, I failed once and then I turned it around it was I failed a lot it was it was like kept falling on my face I kept falling on my face and then at some point I was just like, all right, this is the last time I'm gonna fall. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get up and get it right this time. So, um, I believe it. Yeah, I, 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 I think that is baked into that. Like, I think that a lot of times, you know, everyone always, as you know, and I say this to everyone: do not ever cast my story as despite of right, despite this, despite that, already did. It's more because of. It's more because mm-hmm. because I've seen folks, you know, have to keep pushing. Because I've seen folks have to, and so. You know, everyone always, you you know, the term that everyone loves is I'm a product of my environment and everyone is like, oh, that's bad because, you know, you came from a, but it's like, no, I came from a place to where, you know, grinding hard was normal. That was, that was just a normal thing. We just, you know, you had, you had to try really hard and you had to keep trying. And so, you know, I I don't believe that 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 came from me. I believe that came from the people that I love. I think that came from, you know, like, um the saying is that like the biggest obstacle from success is never actually failure. It's always fear. Right. And so I've just always been like, Mm -hmm. never, just, just, so why are you scared to try? Just try Just, just, I don't know. Just like, at some point I I, I realized, so what do I have to lose by trying? Right. I've been broke before I've been on the other side of the law before. I I ain't scared to try. Just try, you know? Yeah. So um yeah I, I believe it came from that the most yeah, i think
1: that's that's very inspirational what you have to say what would you say to um a college student or an undergrad your undergraduate self um if they're struggling
2: so someone else asked me this too right i i, I don't know right because i don't know if my undergrads would have listened yeah um you know yeah. I, I don't I, I it probably uh I, the, probably the only thing that I I would have told him, and he would have actually he listened to, was to never give up. Just keep keep pushing. Just keep keep pushing. I, I I would probably more laugh at him like, you really about to make this as hard as possible, huh? That's, that's what you're gonna do. I'm, okay, fine, whatever. But <laughs> just don't don't ever keep don't ever give up. Just keep keep pushing. And so that's the same What I would say to any the the the, the, the interesting thing is is that the more College students or, or that I talk to, you know, my story isn't unique at all. It's 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 a lot of students, um, mm-hmm. right. people who look like me and people who don't look like me. It's right. a lot of it's a lot of our stories, and so um, I would tell them the same thing that I tell them, which is that I've been there, um, and you know, I. Struggle through it and you can struggle through it too. And, you know, I and, 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 and I would also tell them that I'm not mitigating that hard, it's hard because it's hard. Right. It's so hard. And and I don't, I don't want you to feel like, well, if I can do it, you can do it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, man, it's hard, but I think so far, right. I can say that the hardness has been like worth it. Right. Like I'm, I'm at a point now that I don't have to like look over my shoulder anymore. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm at a point now to where you know, I, I don't have to struggle. I don't. Ha- I don't have to. It was a point to where I didn't know. You know, if my lights would come on. You know, and I, I, I came into my college apartment, which is interesting, right? So my mom was actually a big supporter of mine, but at some mm-hmm. point, I started going off the rails so much to where she was like, "I can't, I can't support that," right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. at some point, um, it was a, it was points to where I, I went into my house and I was like, "Is my life gonna come up? Is my life gonna come on? I don't know." And so, you know, at, at this point in my life, right, like, you know, stuff is still stressful, but I don't have those stresses no more, right? Like, I don't, yeah. you know, I, I I can eat, you know, I can go to Whole Foods and buy overpriced vegetables now, right? And it doesn't, I don't have to, you know, it's that kind of thing that like, no, this is like, because like, in the places that I come from, that's, that's, that, 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 that's not, that's not, that's not a, that's not a giving, you know, that's not a, that's not a... You, you, I seen... Uh, so my mom feed me and three other guys, right? Me, two two brothers, and a husband off of like $150 a week. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I'm like, you are a superwoman because I don't... <laughs> yeah. For just me, I spend over $150 a week in food, right? And so... Um, and I don't even eat that much, right? <laughs> and we used to eat like garbage disposals. And so... Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know how she did it. Um yeah. but you know you know the parts where I come from, you know, the one of the one of the reasons how come they ask, you know, well, how come things in like Chicago are so bad? Or how come things in certain parts of Atlanta are so bad? And it's
3: like
2: there are places in the, the United States to where your very central needs are not met. Right?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: mm-hmm. we are always talking from a privileged place of where well, those people are bad because they and it's like, what would you do if your bare essential needs were not met? What, what yeah. would you do if you were trying to feed your kids and you didn't know if your kids were gonna, you know, eat the next day or something like that? Or yeah. you've been feeding your kids rice for you know a week or something. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's yeah, it's, it's 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 a different mentality at that point, and 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 no one seems to take that into account. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know the fact that I, I don't deal with that every day is. Amazing. Um, so I would tell everyone, you know, that, you know, it ain't even that, right? It ain't even all about that. It's about, you know, I I get to go out and, you know, see the world, places that I haven't seen. Like all of the things that like everyone wants, you know, I, I, have, I, I have used my education and I have used math to take me places that a lot of people who I even... Looked up to when I was growing up, you know, always wanted to do and still haven't been able to do it. So mm-hmm. that kind of thing.
1: Beautiful, so, beautiful. Yeah.
0: I I feel like math has done the same for me in different ways. Yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. want to ask you before we get to our rapid fire question. I want to just ask you an intentional question about belonging. Mm-hmm. You sort of alluded to it, but I'd actually like you to get sort of granular and either. Either describe a time you felt like you belonged, and why, or you didn't belong, and why. Huh.
2: So I so I actually have stories on the on the both of those on mm-hmm. the both of those fronts, right? So, um, I I I I am constantly in, in imposter syndrome. I never feel like I belong, especially now, right? It's just I I don't belong here, right? I. When I look at my story, I'm, I, I I laugh sometimes. I don't I don't how how in the world was I supposed to, um, but I don't see it as a bad thing. I'm, I, I almost laugh at it, right? I, well, I do laugh at it because it's like I don't belong here, but you let me in here, and that's your fault. And so I'm here now, <laughs> right? And so um, I'm gonna be here, and that's that's just I'm gonna be here until you tell me I can't be here no more. So, uh, but on the other end, when I was at Morehouse, that was the one of the Places to where I felt like I belonged the, the most, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I looked around and there were people that looked like me doing the same thing that I was doing. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I I hate to keep you um, eluding to the race thing, but like when I am you know at work, right? Like no one looks like me. Really, I think mm-hmm. that our job is like eighty seven percent white and like ninety percent male, or something like that. So it's like. No one really looks like me. Either. Uh, but, you know, it's it's it's, it's I, I, again, I could commend APL, too, because when I got, got there, they dropped me in the middle of it. And my opinions matter just as much as mm-hmm. anyone else's. And so it's mm-hmm. it's um, I am able to use my voices and my experiences in places that people that look like me maybe don't have those opportunities as much so i am enjoying it you know it's, it's exhausting sometimes don't get me wrong it definitely is but i am yeah. definitely enjoying the experience
1: i'm sure it is exhausting but the the diversity of opinions and thoughts and background that you bring is really important for
3: yeah
1: you know where whatever situation you're in that's wonderful
3: yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
0: Ian, are you ready for rapid fire? I'm I'm ready. Zerati, are you ready for rapid fire? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. So there's only one fill in the blank one. And that's first. Okay. That is, mathematics is? Essential. Mm. Oh, -hmm. that actually fits with your life. And (laughs) you made about how math and education have taken you places.
2: It does. It does. Yeah.
0: What's a place that you really enjoy? a
2: place or a place that i've visited or
0: it can be placed it well so i don't want it to know the gym no 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 right?
2: yeah it's the gym it's the gym it, it, it's, it's it's my it's my like it away every day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. okay what's on your desk that would really surprise us
2: nothing actually there's coffee there's a coffee mug there right <laughs> mathematicians are machines that you put in caffeine and you put out theorems, right? So it's <laughs> all right there. Uh, I don't know. Like it's just a big junk pile is what it is. There's nothing there that's that's actually I I, I so like I, I actually wish that I would like put a spin on my on my on my workspace to, to make it something personal or something like that, but I don't. Mm-hmm. It just becomes a, a bookshelf and stacks of stuff <laughs> happens. Yeah. Okay.
0: What's what sound reminds you of home?
2: My mom's voice. Mm. Yeah, my mm. mom's voice. She is the only person in the world that can get me out of any trance. I could be doing something and I could like not hear some people. But like if my mom says something, he snaps me right out of it. So my mom. What's well,
0: up? we really appreciate you, Deanna. Did of you
2: want course.
1: to say too? Oh yes. I want to say thank you for your time, Zarati. I I enjoyed so much getting to know you. Um, of course, of course. Well, I really enjoyed getting to talk with Zarati. I'd never met him before. He's, he's quite fun and interesting. Um, what did you pick up from our conversation with him,
0: Della? Oh, my goodness. So, some things I really loved about this conversation. Uh, he really underscored for me the value of how people recognized his talent. They tried mm-hmm. to bring it out, even when he couldn't see it in himself. And I loved his point about how Dwayne Cooper kept showing up for him. And so he showed up mm-hmm, and that yes. combination of someone else showing up for you and you showing up leads to success.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I loved his point about how um, he's willing to fall down 250 times and he knows he can get up on the 250 first because the people he loved when he was growing up were doing that all around him. Mm-hmm. And I really loved his point about how math and education, he's combined both of those to do things in life that he really never expected to do.
1: Right. They're taking him places he didn't expect to go. That's that's wonderful. So true. Yes.
0: So this is Dell and Deanna. We are counting you in. Until next time. See you then. See you. Count Me In with Dell, Indiana is produced by the talented Sam Dunewald. Music is by Casey Fenster and the podcast image is by Victoria Robinson.